0: explore the exciting past of the grand state of Texas from the archives of the Texas Collection, host Dr. Mary Landon Darden will introduce Texas history writers who will tell dramatic and often little known Texas tales right here on Treasures of the Texas Collection.
1: When people think of Texas, they conjure up images of tumbleweeds, oil wells, and, of course, cowboys. Everyone lives on a ranch, rides a horse, and wears a cowboy hat. In fact, Texas is still a frontier state that is just as wild in the 21st century as it was in the 19th century. While these depictions of Texas are not accurate, they are permanently ingrained in the minds of non-Texans from around the world. Join me as I talk with Austin Freelance writer Hans Christensen about how the mythic portrayal of Texas has developed across various mediums of popular literature. Welcome back, Hans.
0: Thanks, Mary. It's always a pleasure to be here.
1: Hans, why are people so fascinated with Texas?
0: Well, Texas is a hotbed for myths and legends. Over the past five centuries, it has lived under the flags of five countries, including the United States, the Confederate States of America, france spain and mexico and it was even its own republic for nearly a decade and through its existence it has maintained a foot in the mythos of both the american west and the american south drawing stories and traditions from both in short texas has done a great job of building and maintaining its own unique brand i've even heard that when texans travel internationally they always tell people they are from texas first and from america second In contrast, people from other states will usually say they are Americans first. And, you know, I think Texans can get away with this because the world associates similar status to Texas as it does to the United States. And in a lot of ways, the world is really fascinated with Texas.
1: According to the documents in your research, uh, when did people start telling stories about Texas?
0: Well, people have been writing about Texas since the mid-16th century, when Europeans first began making contact with North America. But early literature describing Texas, which was historical in nature, was first written in Spanish and can be traced back to 1542. Now, the first book written in English that solely highlighted Texas was written in 1833 by Mary Austin Hawley, a cousin of Texas legend Stephen F. Austin. It was simply titled Texas. The book sounds interesting because it consisted of 12 letters written by Hawley during her visit to the Texas colony to recipients back on the East Coast and it was expanded a few years later into the history of Texas. Naturally, other topics such as the Texas Revolution and, of course, the battle for the Alamo, have proved to be hot topics for writers chronicling the development of Texas.
1: How has Texas been portrayed in traditional fiction, such as short stories and novels?
0: Well, one author known for his short stories involving Texas is O. Henry. His 1907 collection, The Heart of the West, features some of his best Texas stories, including The Reformation of Calliope, The Caballero's Way, and The Hiding of Black Bill. And he is credited with describing Texas life, including cowboys, rangers, and pioneers, with great detail. And another writer with strong ties to Texas and Baylor, in fact, is Dorothy Scarborough, a noted teacher, folklorist, and writer. She taught English classes at Baylor from 1905 to 1915, while she earned bachelor's and master's degrees at the same time. And in 1916, she moved to New York City, to teach at Columbia University, where she also earned her doctorate in literature. And her teaching specialty included the short story and novel. Scarborough was a member of the Texas Folklore Society, which was founded in 1910 and included fellow member and Texas folklorist J. Frank Doby. Many of her novels examined the role of women in Texas, along with focusing on Texas mainstays, such as sharecroppers, cowboys, and even ghosts. Her works include In the Land of Cotton, Can't Get a Redbird, and The Stretchberry Smile. And in 1925, she published a controversial novel, The Wind, which was made into a 1927 silent film of the same name. The story revolved around life on the Texas frontier and how the incessant wind and drought conditions drive the novel's heroine insane. The Texas collection at Baylor has a large archival section of her personal papers, manuscripts, and letters. In terms of modern Texas writers, I would like to point out author Larry McMurtry, He has written several novels involving Texas, including The Last Picture Show and Terms of Endearment, both of which were turned into award-winning movies, and All My Friends Are Going to Be Strangers. But his greatest success came in a 1986 Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, Lonesome Dove, which told the story of a group of retired Texas rangers on a cattle drive from Texas to Montana. The novel was made into an Emmy Award-winning miniseries, which in turn spawned four sequels and two additional television series.
1: The Texas Collection has an extensive archive of more than 20,000 titles, I believe, in their Texas Pulp Periodical section. How do these relate to the Texas myth, Hans?
0: Well, first off, pulp fiction, not to be confused with the Quentin Tarantino film of the same name, (laughs) refers to periodicals that were mass-produced from the mid-1800s to the mid-1900s on cheap wood pulp paper. Originally, the medium started out as dime novels, which often told stories of the American West, in the form of a self-contained novel and short stories, complete with black-and-white illustrations. As the years went on, the pulps developed into more of a magazine format, with a detailed, drawn or painted cover that highlighted the type of action a reader could expect from the interior pages. In many cases, the covers were considered lurid and risque by refined audiences. They often featured a cowboy or a ranger caught in the middle of a gunfight or a sticky situation. By today's standards, many of the cover's portrayals of women and minorities would be considered offensive. But a few of the Texas-specific books that I found included titles such as Texas Western and Texas Rangers. And eventually, another form of the pulps came out, pocketbooks. These pulp paperback novels featured similar covers on the front and back and adventurous stories inside. A few of the interesting titles I found included Pistol Passport and The Texas Pistol. In the back cover, description to the pocketbook, Bigger Than Texas, gives a good idea of what these books were like. It reads, When Johnny Brackett reigned into Field City, he had 21 steers, his bay, his gun, and a run of bad luck behind him. He liked the looks of the town, and even better, he liked the land deed Morg Field offered him. What he didn't like was the fear he saw in the faces of the townsfolk and the ruthless greed he began to see in the man who owned them. (laughs) These publications had a wide appeal across the country, with sales ranging in the hundreds of thousands per issue. For many people, particularly adolescents, this is how they learned about Texas and the American West. These stories definitely helped develop the cowboy myth in Texas.
1: From the 1920s to the 1960s, Students learned about Lone Star history through a comic strip called Texas History Movies. What can you tell us about that?
0: We know this is a really great historical gem. Beginning in 1926, the Dallas News and the Dallas Journal, predecessors to the Dallas Morning News, published a comic strip intended to teach public school students about Texas history. The strips combined simple cartoons with explanatory historical text. The strips were published only during the school year and covered events from 1530 to 1885. In 1928, the strips, 428 total, were collected into a 217-page oversized hardcover book. They were also collected into a smaller digest size by the Magnolia Petroleum Company, predecessor to ExxonMobil, and distributed for free to students around Texas. By the 1960s, however, the content was deemed to be racist, so distribution ceased and the copyright was eventually given to the Texas State Historical Association. In 2007, the association announced they were releasing an updated version of the strips in conjunction with the Texas A&M Press titled The New Texas History Movies. Revised by the late Jack Jackson, award-winning scholar and illustrator, the book offers a glimpse at Texas history for a new generation of students.
1: Hans, cowboy poetry is a literature form that not all of our listeners will be familiar with, Tell us more about it.
0: Well, cowboy poetry is another medium that has helped to spread the myth of Texas. And while it is not specifically tied to the Lone Star State in origin or subject, it does celebrate the cowboy way of life. The form began in the 1800s as a way for cowboys and ranch hands to share stories. Since many of these men were illiterate, the stories were all oral in nature. And the rhyme and meter helped with memory recall and future storytelling many people may be surprised to learn that cowboy poetry has undergone a revival in the past few decades current cowboy poets write and perform their works at festivals all around the country I would like to share an excerpt from a poem by Jack Douglas from his poetry collection hanging out with the heifers the poem is titled a partner in his plan as I ride across the prairies out onto ranges wide I marvel at God's wonders beneath the pale blue skies where cattle graze on grasses that are washed by summer rains, and I thank God he made the cowboy, caretaker of the range. As I look upon the mountains that shade the valleys wide, I see God in all his glory, and I see God in all his pride. For his handiwork is perfect, and the cowboy he has used to care for all the rangeland, and there he paid his dues. I see God in the faces of a newborn baby calves, in the streams of bubbling water that rush on by and laugh. In the deer that grazed the meadows of this rough and rugged land. And I thank God he made the cowboy a partner in this plan.
1: The Texas Rangers, the law enforcement group, not the Major League Baseball team, are an important part of the Texas myth. How have they been portrayed?
0: As I mentioned earlier, the Texas Rangers were a prominent part of the Pulp Fiction movement. There are also the title characters of Tales of the Texas Rangers, a Western police procedural radio drama, that premiered in 1950. The shows recreated actual cases involving the Texas Rangers and featured fictional ranger Jace Pearson and his horse Charcoal. Hmm. In 1955, the show was adapted for television. One of the unique aspects of a television show is that it used stories set in modern times and old Texas. And speaking of television, I have to of course mention the show Walker, Texas Ranger. Of course. Which (laughs) featured film star and martial artist Chuck Norris. And the Texas Rangers fit seamlessly into Texas myth. Even though they are a modern-day law enforcement agency, the investigative arm of the Texas Department of Public Safety, they still have a frontier style to their persona. Rangers wear white cowboy hats, western-style shirts with a shiny badge attached to the pocket, and a gun strapped to their belt. They definitely embody the frontier spirit of Texas.
1: And doesn't the lone ranger also have a connection to Texas?
0: He does. In fact, he may be the most famous, albeit fictional, Texas Ranger. The character was created in 1933 for the Lone Ranger radio show. The show lasted more than two decades and spawned film serials, a television show, comic books, and even a feature film. The title character, known only as Reed, is part of a group of six Texas Rangers pursuing a gang of outlaws. When the group is ambushed, all the Rangers are killed except him. After being nursed back to health by an American Indian named Tonto, Reed fakes his death and takes up the guise of the masked, Lone ranger. And in true Western fashion, he and Tonto travel through Texas and the American West, exacting justice and righting wrongs.
1: Hans, Austin, Texas is considered a live music hub. How do people across the U.S. associate music with Texas?
0: Well, one example of Texas-influenced music can be found in Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys. Wills is often considered to be one of the fathers of Western Swing, and some of his famous songs include San Antonio Rose, If You're From Texas, and Texarkana Baby. His music is still enjoyed across Texas at dance halls and has inspired younger musicians such as Asleep at the Wheel. Most people probably associate with the Austin City Limits television show that airs on PBS. In fact, the show debuted in 1975 with a reunion of Bob Wills and the the Texas Playboys. Over the years, ACL has featured performances by Willie Nelson, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Johnny Cash, the Indigo Girls, and more. Currently, ACL is the longest-running concert music program. And since 2002, the Austin City Limits Music Festival has been drawing visitors to Texas from around the world.
1: Along with the music, Texas has been portrayed frequently in films. Can you give us a few examples that emerged in your research? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I think that film is the medium that has most impacted people's modern perception of Texas. For many people, the history and geography lessons of Texas were learned in the classroom known as the cinema and the late, great drive-in movie theater.
1: That sounded just like Joe Bob Briggs.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. And the first fictional film about Texas, aptly titled Texas Tex, was made in 1908. What's interesting about this film is that it was produced entirely in Denmark, of all places. It did, however, feature genuine Native Americans who were traveling through Europe as part of a Wild West show. <laughs> and the plot was typical for Western story. The title character, Tex, has to rescue his stolen horses and abducted love interest from a bad cowboy. And, of course, his Native American counterpart, which was so typical for that day, but has appropriately been abandoned for the obvious racist implication which was so typical for that day, but has appropriately been abandoned for the obvious racist implications. As always, in the end, text saves the day. Of course. And for a period of time in the early 20th century, Texas was featured more than any other state in the title of films. And naturally, there was no shortage of films about the Alamo. One of the quintessential films about made about Texas is Giant, starring Rock Hudson, Elizabeth Taylor, and James Dean. Released in 1955, Giant was a critical success and featured a new type of villain for the Texas landscape, oil. The film was based on a 1952 award-winning novel of the same name by Texas author Edna Ferber. The film dealt with the conflict in Texas between ranching and oil exploration. Author Don Graham described the film in his book Cowboys and Cadillacs. Giant is probably the archetypal Texas movie. It contains every significant element in the stereotype, including cowboys, wildcatters, cattle empire, wealth, crassness of manners, garish taste, and barbecue.
1: Of course, barbecue. And Hans, what are some of the other quintessential films involving Texas?
0: Some of the films related to Texas that still stand out include The Last Picture Show, written by Larry McMurtry, Urban Cowboy, and Tender Mercies, which was written by American playwright and Texan Horton Foote. Dazed and Confused, a more recent film and cult classic from the 1990s, chronicles life in 1976, Austin, Texas. The funny thing about this film is that most of the actors, save for Matthew McConaughey, another Texas native, do not actually have Texas accents. Hmm. And Texas has also made a significant impact on the horror genre with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Loosely based on the horrific events surrounding Wisconsin serial killer Ed Gein, this low-budget movie took the nation by storm. Special effects were limited, so the movie delivers its frights through suspense. It has gone on to spawn several sequels and a big-budget remake, along with inspiring many Halloween costumes. And it also inspired a generation of mask-wearing film villains. I think the biggest reason this film works is really because of the title. Texas goes naturally with a chainsaw-wielding maniac. I don't think there are any (laughs) other states that could pull off that title, really. After all... The Idaho or North Carolina Chainsaw Massacre just doesn't have the same ring to it.
1: Indeed. (laughs) One of the most enduring icons of Texas legend is the Battle of the Alamo in San Antonio. How has that been portrayed in literature and film throughout the years, Hans?
0: Well, there's certainly no shortage of coverage surrounding the 1836 Battle of the Alamo, particularly in film. And it fits perfectly with Texas legend. Just take a look at the cast of characters who are at the battle. Mexican General Santa Ana... William B. Travis, the famous knife fighter James Bowie, and frontiersman Davy Crockett. The 12 day siege ended with the violent deaths of all but two Texas revolutionaries, but it inspired settlers to join the Texas Revolution movement that ultimately resulted in independence from Mexico. Don Graham again describes the film appeal of the Alamo in Cowboys and Cadillacs. Texas history movies have always remembered the Alamo. The Alamo is the sacred cow, the lead steer the big one that has to be retold for every generation. Hmm. And over the years, several film recreations of the Battle of the Alamo have surfaced. The 1915 film, The Martyrs of the Alamo, is considered one of the first films made about the subject. The film, like many of its successors, was mostly a one-sided affair, painting the Anglo defenders as virtuous and the Mexican soldiers as aggressors. In 1960, John Wayne directed and starred in The Alamo, the most famous of the films surrounding the event. Wayne had taken on the project as a personal undertaking, even financing a portion of the film itself. The film was well-received, even if it wasn't entirely historically correct. Apparently, one of the big omissions of the story included leaving out a letter written to Texas and the world by William B. Travis, which read in part, I shall never surrender or retreat. In 2004... A new version of the events was presented in John Lee Hancock's The Alamo, which starred Dennis Quaid. While this version tried to show a balanced view of the battle, it ended up being a commercial failure.
1: I had a friend who was an extra in that movie, and he said he spent weeks laying on the ground in the hot Texas sun pretending to be dead. Let's talk about the television show that went off the air 18 years ago, yet still shapes people's perception of Texas today. Dallas. Dallas.
0: Dallas is another example of how people have learned about Texas in the last 30 years. It's interesting that some people credit the movie Giant as the inspiration for the show. It, and it certainly dealt with many of the same issues. Oil, wealth, greed. It also displayed a larger-than-life view of Texas society. The show's official website, UltimateDallas.com, describes the show. Dallas was the first show to combine the scope of a miniseries with the big ideals of life. Themes such as good versus evil... And Brother vs. Brother. Set in the big state of Texas, where life is lived in the fast lane, where everything is bigger and badder than anywhere else, the breadth of the show made viewers realize that Romeo and Juliet had at long last come to giant. And to give you an idea of the cultural significance of Dallas, the cowboy hat worn by Larry Hagman's character, J.R. Ewing, is currently on display in the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. And nearly 360 million viewers worldwide tuned in to the It" episode that revealed who shot J.R. in the famous 1980 cliffhanger.
1: I remember the day. We've talked about the cowboy myth and the rich oil tycoon persona. Let's switch gears and talk about another Texas icon, football.
0: Well, to say that football is a big deal in Texas would be a serious understatement. <laughs> Texas is home to two NFL teams, the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans. College football also brings in enormous crowds to cheer on Powerhouse, Division I teams such as the University of Texas Longhorns, Texas A&M Aggies, and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. But I think the real football story in Texas is found on the high school level. Every fall, thousands of fans gather on Friday nights at lavish high school football stadiums that rival many college stadiums in other states to cheer on their favorite teams. In many of the small Texas towns, these high school football stars are treated as local celebrities. This football subculture was chronicled in the 1990 nonfiction book, Friday Night Lights, A Town, a Team, and a Dream, by H.G. Bissinger. Bissinger, a sports reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, moved his family to Odessa, Texas in 1988 and spent an entire year following the Permian High School Panthers football team. As he researched the book, many of the townspeople thought he was developing an inspirational story highlighting one of Texas's favorite pastimes. Instead, Bissinger published a scathing critique of the football program, which included instances of racism and the overemphasis of high school football in Texas, particularly in small towns. It's no surprise that initially many people in Odessa, and probably throughout Texas, were upset about the book's content. But over time, Texas has embraced this new football myth. In 2002, the book was named the fourth greatest book written about sports by Sports Illustrated. And in 2004, the book was turned into a successful feature film starring Billy Bob Thornton, followed by a hit television show on NBC, which debuted in 2006, and is actually shot primarily in Austin, Texas.
1: It sounds like people just can't get enough of Texas.
0: I think you're right. People love Texas, and more importantly, Texas loves itself. (laughs) And in the end, that really is the charm of Texas. You just can't help but liking it once you're here. I'm not even a native Texan, but I've lived here for 11 years, and I feel proud to be in Texas. And I think Texas may be the only state where you can go to the store and buy a bag of tortilla chips shaped like it. <laughs> I've never seen Pennsylvania or Minnesota shaped tortilla chips.
1: Indeed. I'm sure you're right about that. Thank you for sharing this rich history of Texas literature with us, hands.
0: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
1: If you would like to learn more about Texas and popular literature, the Texas Collection has the largest collection of Texas-related documents, books, letters, photographs, memoirs, and more.
0: You have been listening to the treasures of the Texas Collection. For more information, Google the website, the Texas Collection at Baylor University.
1: Treasures of the Texas Collection was made possible by the generous support of William and Kathleen Wardlaw, the Texas Collection Guy B. Harrison Jr. Endowment Fund, and the Baylor University Libraries.